Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to NJ Space uh, podcast program. Uh, conversations with educators in the COVID-19 frontline. Uh, today, our guest will be Dr. Scott Rocco from the Hamilton Township School District in Mercer County. Um, and we'll be getting to him in a minute. If you have a question or comment you want to pass on to Dr. Rocco, you can just type it in the uh, chat room and I will uh, read it and uh, pass it on to Dr. Rocco. Or if you want to call in and just make a comment, one three four seven nine eight nine eight nine zero one and press one, and that will let <coughs> Robin know that you have a question. So uh, first of all, uh, th- this whole program is about how we have dealt with the various, uh, the school closure, uh, and all the issues that come along with it, uh, with the COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, so I'd like to welcome Scott Rocco. How are you doing, Scott? Very well, Ray. Thanks for the opportunity to come in and speak to you about this. Okay. Uh, before we get started, could, could you tell us a little bit about uh, your district, Hamilton, for those people who are not familiar with uh, Hamilton Township School District? Sure. So this is Hamilton Township in Mercer County. And we are uh, we're one of the larger districts in the state of New Jersey. We have 11, a little over 11,700 students, about uh, 14 to 1,500 certified and non-certified staff. We have uh, 23 schools and an alternative uh, school program, so 24 facilities where our students are, and then three other facilities on top of that, our board office, our special services offices, and uh, where our maintenance and ground staff are. So we're, we're a very large district in the state of New Jersey. Uh, yes, and uh, you have three high schools, right? Yes, we have three high schools, three middle schools, high 17 school. elementary schools. Wow, okay. Um, well, so that's, a, as you said, it is one of the largest districts in the state and you have a lot of staff. When this was first coming up, how did you uh, start to deal with it with your other administrators and, the, and your teachers? Yeah, so uh, probably it was at the end of April. Every Monday I run a senior staff with my directors, business administrators, head of security, uh, head of community relations. And uh, end of January I would actually asked the senior staff to take out the uh, old plan uh, for the old pandemic plan, and I believe – the last time we were required to design that, I think it was for swine flu. So I asked them to take that out and take a look at it as this conversation about COVID-19 was starting to hit the news. People were talking about the impact it was having overseas and that this was more than just a flu. Uh, it was very contagious. There was a possibility of maybe schools closing for a short period of time as, as the uh, virus came through. So we started very early at looking at this. And then um, in February, we really began to plan for the concept of what would it look like if we had to close for a couple of days? Uh, you know, like snow days. Like if we had a, if we had a really bad snowstorm, we were closed for a couple of days. You know, not still understanding the extent of, of what the virus was, how long it lasted, how quickly it spread, things like that. And then I remember uh, sometime either end of end of February or, or beginning of March, and I forget the time frame, a group of uh, superintendents from Mercer County, we got together in my office on a Sunday, and we began to expand out plans because what this really was and what, it, what the potential for this to be 
was becoming very clear and that this was going to be a serious issue across our country and schools would obviously have to shut down for more than a day or two, maybe a week, maybe a couple weeks, or maybe a month. I don't think any of us really fathomed at that point anything more than about two weeks. So we built out concepts of how, what would it take to close down the schools, what would it take to do our learning online, although none of us had ever really done that before, and uh, how would we then begin process of reopening. And so from that point forward, we started building those plans out for what has become known across the country as remote learning. So there's been a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of planning, a lot of preparation, uh, a lot of protocols and procedures that have been put in place. It takes a lot to close any school district. It takes a lot in the mm -hmm. process. Uh, it is tough to close very large school districts. And then to reverse that later on is just as complex, something that we're talking about right now. So uh, th that's a lot of planning. Um, what were some of the obstacles? Like, what about the, the, the virtual learning? How many of your students had devices? What was their connectivity rate? So, so that was one of the first things we had to do was identify how many of our kids had devices, not only devices, but Wi-Fi. So you can have a device. If you don't have Wi-Fi, there's no purpose in the device. It's not going to help you out. And we were initially, before we went to remote learning, we were at 83% of our students had both a device that they could work on and Wi-Fi in their homes. And over the course of uh, a survey and some time, right before we left, Right before we left, we were about 87%. Since then, we have done device distribution. We have given out uh, about 1,800 devices in the district wow. as of yesterday. And we are right now about uh, 98 to 98.5% of our students have the ability to do remote learning. The remainder of our students actually are receiving packets, and our most recent packet is going out this week to our students. Uh, what we're also finding, though, is our initial numbers are families, right? So in a family, you have one child, two children, three children. My family, we have three children here. So we were counting uh, connectivity, both Wi-Fi and device, as a family. So if you had a device and Wi-Fi, we counted that family as being able to do their work from home. But what we realized very quickly was is if you have multiple children at home, you need multiple devices because it's not just the children who are doing the work at home. Mom and dad are home. The guardians are home doing the work too. You might have an older sibling who's in college or has a job and everybody is uh, needs that device. Everybody's kind of fighting for that device for work. So what we've been doing mm -hmm. at the same time of giving out and making sure families that don't have a device have a device now, but making sure families with multiple children have multiple devices in their homes so that, so that kids can do their work and do not have to wait for a device. And that's been challenging. Uh, you know, the inequity there is something that we've been working on for, for a long period of time. And I really believe moving forward, one of the things that really has to be considered is Wi-Fi in a device have to be standard items for children moving forward in schools mm -hmm. and be able and, and in their homes. Uh, so, you know, between Wi-Fi providers and the state, uh, you know, this has to be worked out down the road because this is, 
this COVID experience and remote learning experience will change the way education happens in the future. You know, the way we were before March 13th, when uh, that Friday was really our last official real day of school, um, and after, we've changed after what school will be like. We won't be all remote moving forward, but there will be an element of remote in education moving forward. We can't go back to what it was like prior to this. There has to be some change, some modification, some uh, modernization. Yeah, and I would think it, uh, it kind of can have a, an achievement gap if we don't, if the kids don't all have the same access and opportunity Correct. with their the same devices. Uh, so, uh, and I think that's on the top of everyone's mind, at least it is online. Uh, yeah. So what about communicating this to the staff? I mean, cause let's be realistic. Teachers, the way they are instructing overnight, at least in, uh, relatively overnight. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, we communicate uh, that with uh, them. Yeah. So I started in Hamilton, uh, in May of uh, 2017, and Hamilton was in the midst of, you know, a little bit of a transition to Google Apps for Education, but still running the Microsoft platform at the same time. So they were running dual platforms. And so we made a complete transition over to Google with a, uh, with training, with a timeline, with uh, understanding of, you know, this is, this is the transition as we go forward. And I'm glad we did that and did that over a period of time and didn't rush that because a number of our staff were ready for this. Uh, for those staff that uh, had done some of the basic Google training but now had to increase some of their skill set through using Google Classroom and Zoom and some other things, uh, we've done a tremendous amount of professional development. How, how I've messaged that out and how my administration has messaged that out is through daily updates when we started. So when this started, um, that uh, so the 13th was the Friday, so the 16th of March, from that point forward, uh, five days a week, I was putting a staff update out. And that was keeping the staff updated on what's happening, what are we doing, what are resources for you. And at the same time, my technology department, which has really done an amazing job, absolutely incredible job, they began to offer trainings, lunch and learns, to help our staff to really learn new skills that they needed to work in this environment. And at the same time, teachers that had the skills and had experimented a little bit with this or practiced with this were sharing with their colleagues. So uh, we've, been, we've been communicating with our, with our faculty and staff. Uh, it started every day, Monday through Friday, for a while. We're down to Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And this is being respectful to them uh, and making sure that the content I'm putting out in my updates has good information uh, for them and valuable information. So we're down to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The same thing is true for the parents. We, we provided daily updates for them in a letter form. Those were three, four, five pages at one point. Now we're Monday, Wednesday, Friday, about three or four pages. And we're also updating them on instruction and important information. And, you know, the thing to keep in mind, Ray, is now that we've done this for a while and we weren't sure how long that was going to last, we continue to adapt our instruction. And so we'll be adding pieces to this as we move forward 
uh, more video interaction between teachers and students, uh, more interaction through different apps, uh, through Google Apps, and some of the other things that we've opened up uh, for our students and staff to use. Um, I have a couple of questions. Uh, one, uh, did any of the um, – I know they did – uh, did any of staff do some certain things that you said, oh, my God, this is so creative and it, it's great? And I, I wish I would have thought of that idea. Uh, were, were you taken back by some of the, the work that some of your uh, teachers had put forward or, or your uh, oh. administrators? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and one of, one of the, the things I speak a lot about and most proud about is this collaboration among our teaching staff and among our teaching staff and our administration, our support staff, and our administration, our support staff, and our teachers. And, and the entire district, no matter what the title of the person is, title hasn't mattered. People have stepped up and done tremendous work together and helped out and made this possible. You know, anybody and everybody in our district has done something to make this as successful as possible. We've had bumps in the road. It hasn't been perfect. We've had issues that have come up, but everybody is working hard. So yeah, so from from an instructional standpoint, I would say I've seen some really creative stuff. So I've seen teachers who uh, at home have their own kind of setup or their own classroom setup where they're able to actually do live instruction. And then recently I saw a little video that was posted on Twitter by one of our teachers she doesn't have a whiteboard. She doesn't have a chalkboard at home. So what she did is she took uh, like a white piece of paper or a white cloth and put it on the other side of her um, large glass door in her house. And then she wrote on the glass with a uh, whiteboard marker, and she basically created her own whiteboard in the room. <laughs> and so, you know, it's kind of, it, you know, you, you do what you can do with what you have. And so I've seen a lot of that creativity. I've also seen a lot of our staff try different apps, uh, try different uh, video capturing apps and be able to actually create a message that they send out to their students. So not only do instruction face-to-face -face through video, but also send messages of hope, support, uh, missing you, those type of things. And, and teachers have taken it upon themselves if they didn't know how to use it before, to learn how to use it. And it's been really nice because our teachers, our guidance counselors, uh, our principals and administrators, all reaching out to our, to our students to make sure there's still some type of connection there. Uh, as you, we proceed in this, and it's you know, gone on longer, I think, than most of us anticipated in the middle of March, uh, and may continue for who knows how long. What are some of the challenges that you see as we move forward? Some of the things that keep you up at night. Well, I'm sure everything's keeping you up at night. But uh, yeah. you know, yeah. what what are some of the challenges that you you think about as like as we move forward, like opening school again at, at some point? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's one of the biggest things that keeps me up. Is what are the protocols and procedures in place, or that will be in place? so that we can open up school at some point, and how do we manage that, right? So schools are very social places. You've got gym classes with lots of kids at the element, at, the, at all levels, but specifically at the middle schools and high schools. You've got cafeterias with lots of kids in them, and uh, classrooms where you could have 20, 21 kids, 
but oftentimes they spend a lot of time very close together, not six feet apart. So those type of things really are a concern. How are we going to manage that down the road? Uh, the other thing that really is a concern for me and my colleagues and, and everybody in my school district is when we come back, uh, working with our students and our community uh, related to mental health, right? So yeah. we've, we've all been secluded. And as much as we are, are uh, talking with people on a phone, through video conferencing, it's only a small portion of the day. And we have students and families that don't have uh, anywhere to go outside of their home to get out and, and kind of uh, take a breather, right? And so that wears mm-hmm. on you after a while. And I think, um, uh, you know, we're talking about how do we help our students and our families and our staff manage right. what has happened since the end of March until we return to school? Uh, I wish I had an answer on any of those questions. Uh, I do want to touch on one thing that I know that you did very well. Um, I know you had a good partnership with the municipality and uh, putting messages out. How did that work, and what was the, the joint messaging that you put out? Yeah, so, you know, as I said earlier with everybody in the district uh, coming together and collaborating, we've had the same with our township. So with uh, our elected officials, our mayor, our police department, our fire department, we've had uh, lots of interaction with uh, the mayor and I speak uh, almost daily, if not daily, if not multiple times a day. He and I have done a number of videos. We started with uh, a Facebook Live right after this started. We did a Facebook Live with the uh, Kathy Fitzgerald, who's in charge of the health department in Hamilton Township, and really just giving people information. A week or two later, we shot another video. We put that up on our, our district TV station and social media feeds. And then we just shot one yesterday, again, that went up last night through our TV station and through our social media feeds. Uh, what what I think both groups have understood is that we are stronger together. If we work together, if we help each other out, we're really helping our community out. And uh, the commitment is there from the township, from the police department, from the board of education members, from uh, my administrative team, myself, my teachers, uh, our various bargaining agreements, uh, uh, bargaining units. Our teachers union has been fantastic. Our secretaries union has been fantastic. Uh, Our trades and our administrative bargaining units all have been amazing, right? All have been can-do people. We can get this done. Let's do it. But with the township, it really has been one of those things where we're working to keep people informed and we're working together to just help the community because the students and the parents in the school district are part of Hamilton Township, and the Hamilton Township uh, community that don't have children in there are part of the school district as stakeholders. And so it doesn't matter if you have a child in the district or not, it's important for us to be working together. Uh, So open communication has been constant, uh, pretty much on a daily basis. Um, Well, I I do want to touch on one group that, uh, and you did mention them a couple of times, but I, because you're a large district, I don't know if you can do this without a good administrative team, both the building and central administration. Uh, so th- their role must be key in 
doing putting forward not just the curriculum but i guess monitoring the the well-being of of the teachers the you know the, there to be supportive have, have they re- i mean i know you said they stepped up but is it near impossible to do without that staff yeah i think it's it's near impossible to do unless you have people that are willing to step up and do what needs to be done and every one of them has nobody has backed down uh, everything from working uh, working to make sure students have what they need for virtual learning or remote learning to food distribution. And just something that we didn't get a chance to talk about, right? But oh, every Tuesday right. we, do, we do food distribution. We did a little over uh, 2,200 students served on Tuesday. So when we serve a student, that is five days worth of breakfast and five days worth of uh, lunch. And so at six locations, and at those six locations, there's administrative team members, there are teaching staff members, there are secretaries, custodians, and volunteers, and other employees of the district coming together every Tuesday uh, to do that. On Mondays, we have a whole set of other volunteers that prep the bags so that they're ready to go. So my, my administrative team has really stepped up did an amazing job. Uh, they're, again, I use the term can do. Uh, they're can do people. Hey, we'll get this done, and they do it. Uh, but the same is true for everybody in my district. And I know I've said that a couple of times, but that's the only way it gets done. And, and it's been impressive and inspirational. Yeah, I would have to say I have seen that almost statewide where all the different components of the educational team have come together and put aside. If we have our differences every once in a while, but it seems like everyone's just doing picking up the slack and going to make things happen as best they can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any other final words or lessons that you learned that you would want to pass on? Yeah, I would say at this point we're in we're in scenario development, so we're in uh, a multi-scenario development, and I think school districts should be doing the same, which is when uh, we don't know what the governor's decision is going to be coming down. So we have to plan for, might we open uh, right after he makes his announcement? Might we open sometime this year? Or we don't open until September of next year. So I think districts should be doing that. We are doing that at this point. And we are also planning for what it would look like in September when we open up in general. So I think districts are doing a lot of that, but we need to uh, we need to plan for multiple scenarios of opening up in the future and what that will look like and what we need to make that happen. Okay, thank you. That ends on a positive note. I think uh, everyone should be taking those words uh, to heart because we don't know. There are so many scenarios out there. So I'd like to thank uh, Dr. Scott Rocca, who is the superintendent of the Hamilton Township School District in Mercer County. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Ray. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Conversation uh, with Educators on the COVID-19 Frontline. Thank you, and I hope you all have a good uh, afternoon.